0: You're listening to the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Parkinson, and I'm here to help you sell more on your online store. Before we begin, I would love to pay respect and acknowledgement to the Palawa people of Lutruwita, who are the traditional owners of the land on which Unstoppable E-Commerce operates, and pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. In today's episode, we're chatting with Tegan Purden all about how we can be more inclusive in our marketing. Now, this is a super juicy episode and I have learned so much and I'm loving this and I hope that you guys can also take away at least some of what you're going to hear today and implement this into your own marketing. So, Tegan, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Now, this is such an interesting topic that we're talking about today, and I'm really excited for this one. I think it's really going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. And you would have just heard about in that introduction and acknowledgement of country. Now, we were just chatting about this off mic, Tegan. Can you sort of explain to people what that is and where maybe they could use it?
1: Well, as you know, We are not the original owners of the land. And the acknowledgement of the land is really paying respect to the people that own this land. It's their home. It's everything that they grew up with. And it's a way of being able to respect, acknowledge their past, their present and support them. So having this little, you know, one to two sentences is the least that we could do when we're in big events, big meetings And it's a way that people can also start to push it through any other content you have. So one of the things that I do, for example, is I have it on my email signatures, on my website, and we're seeing that happen more and more because we want to pay respects to the original owners of the land. We want to pay respects to the people who have been here for hundreds of thousands of years.
0: Now, I love that. Now, where can someone go? Like, I just decided that we're going to add it into our podcast and I found it through our local school website. So local council website, where's the best place to sort of find out which land you're on?
1: The best place is obviously to go to any government-run website. So your local council is a really good one. Um, it's even good to just reach out to them and ask them, confirm. I always say if you don't know, ask questions, educate yourself because the worst thing you can do is not do anything. So go out, ask any government, any reputable brand. A public school is a really good one and um, you'll be able to find the answer easily
0: must say like when I went to read it the first time I was like oh what if I get it wrong and almost that thought went through my mind of maybe I shouldn't because I might get it wrong and obviously it's better to do something than not do anything out of fear of messing it up.
1: Definitely and it's something where it happens with everything that you do and it's the fear of failing and the fear of being I don't know ostracized and highlighted as doing something wrong. Whereas if you look at it the other angle and you say, like, I'm educating myself, I'm educating others. If I get it wrong, I'll acknowledge that and I will change my ways so that I don't do it again. And it's something that's really, really important with inclusive marketing, just with everything with business as well. You've it's risk taking to a degree with business and you wouldn't be in business if you weren't willing to take those risks to really push yourself, push your boundaries and being able to have a voice as well is really important. And so educating yourself, surrounding yourself with people who will provide you with that information and, and sometimes the best lessons you learn are when you do fail because you never do it again and you make sure that, okay, I could have done that better. Um, I could have said this better. I'm going to go and educate myself on that now, even more than I am already.
0: I think that's so important and that's what we're here today for is to educate you on some of the things you can do. And if you are listening and think, oh, I've done that wrong, we don't want this to be any kind of shame or guilt or you going, oh no, you know, it's totally about learning and taking on board what you are about to learn and seeing how you can put that through in your future marketing. So when we do say inclusive marketing, what do you mean by that?
1: So basically, it's a way to ensure a broader base of consumers that they feel like they belong as well. So it's a big thing there, that word belonging. It's thinking beyond the typical demographics. It's very easy to say, my ideal customer is this age range and they have this education and they are married or they're divorced or whatever it might be. But that's really limiting and it's limiting your consumers as well and making people feel left out so it's a way of focusing on needs wants behaviors and that's that mindset and that way of thinking about your customers is where inclusive marketing really starts to blossom and grow so it's about not forming biases before you even start. It's about being inclusive before you're exclusive. And that's sort Ooh, of where, like that. <laughs> there you go. Um, and that's, that's sort of the whole way that you represent your brand.
0: Okay, so most of our listeners have got an e-commerce store and they might be starting out or scaling up a big brand. What are some of the things that we can do to, as e-commerce business owners to be more inclusive in our marketing?
1: So there's, there's heaps of different things and it really does depend on the type of the product that you do have. But where I often find that small businesses struggle with inclusive marketing is from the get-go of creating the e-commerce or the the business itself from a need of their own, which is really common because you find a gap in the market because you can't find that, that product yourself. And so you go and create a business. But what happens is people start to pigeonhole their business to be exactly like them this is my need this is my behaviors this is what my ideal customer must be and see how that's really narrowing it down to someone who's exactly like me and that's not broadening your consumers and it's not making other people with that same problem that same pain point feel included when they're on your website when they're buying your products when they're going through any type of experience with you. So that's where I pull back again to focusing on your ideal customers' needs, wants, behaviors, and not their demographics—not how they look, how they how they talk, the education they have, um, you know, the the color hair they have, um, whether it be pink <laughs> or um, <laughs> or blonde. So it's removing those sorts of things from your mindset, and that's where you really start to expand. One really important thing that e-commerce businesses can do is remove any reference to what is sort of mainstream. And what I mean by mainstream are terms like normal, even the term like plus size. Mm. That's you highlighting mainstream and how you sit outside of mainstream or how you sit inside mainstream.
0: I've noticed this a lot more with skincare brands and makeup and things like that where it was always normal skin. Oily skin, dry skin, and some brands have now taken out the whole term "normal" because who are they to say? You know, who's got normal skin?
1: Yeah, exactly. And what is it? What is normal as well? It's it's defining mm. that. And uh, Unilever is a really good example. They they took on a huge initiative to actually take normal off of all of their hair products and all of their bottles, which was extremely expensive for them to do. Yeah, but it had such a massive difference to everything so if you know it does have psychological impacts to consumers and that's the last thing you want to do as a brand you want to be uplifting supporting and you have this product to fill a need and if that needs creating this other really horrible long-term impact that's not what you want right
0: no not at all so give me some examples of some things that we can do some I know that there's a whole range of people and a whole range of audiences out there, what about something we can do to help people that maybe are not visually impaired and they're not consuming their content the same way?
1: So in terms of people who are definitely on social media and those sorts of things that might be visually impaired, there's ways you can just do little things that barely take any time as well. Things like alt text on images. So if you go into advanced settings, when you're doing a post, there will be alt text option. And you just type in a description of the image, just description of the video. Doesn't have to be too long. And it's, it literally will take you probably 30 seconds to do that camel case. So camel case is where you capitalize the start of each word. So the, the first letter of each word. And this is really important in hashtags because they're obviously, there's several words all in one. And when you have someone who's doing um, text to voice, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, of course. So if you capitalize each one, the system and the, um, the software they're using will recognise that as a different word and it will actually form the sentence for it. Now, I actually timed myself the other day and I was on my phone. I was attempting to monitor the kids doing water water play and, and making mud pies. And in <laughs> two minutes, just less than two minutes, I updated 30 hashtags.
0: Wow, so it's really not adding a lot of no, time to your day to be thoughtful not around at all. these
1: things. Uh, and just things like a variety of different... Um, people a a variety of different people using your products how they're using them um, just things like people if you're doing like we said beauty products some people might not have fancy makeup brushes so how do you apply it using your fingers like you might not obviously recommend that but see how that's still limiting the people and and them knowing how to use your product and feeling included because they might not be able to afford the brushes just yet
0: that reminds me of that movie is it I'm pretty, yes. <laughs> the one with Megan Trainer, is it? No, not Megan Trainer. Um, oh, the I can't remember her name one? now.
1: Yes, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs>
0: oh, love her, but and yet she was like working for that high-end makeup. She was like, well, "What am I supposed to put this on with? Like, I don't have. You want to sell this to cheaper, and you're not going to give them the brush? What?
1: <laughs> exactly. And then it goes back to if someone buys it and takes it home. They're going to feel really bad about themselves for not having fancy makeup brushes, right? Yeah. Again, it's not the ideal customer experience. And another easy thing that you can do is is think about it's not even just about the larger sort of minority thinking, it's also thinking about how you treat people at large. So something that happened and this is sort of my first experience with inclusivity as from a young age is that so my dad's he's left-handed and My daughter is actually left-handed as well. And I remember when I was probably about nine, my dad comes home and he was so excited. And I thought something big, he's a small business owner. I thought something big, he's landed this huge new client, something like that. No, he went to Officeworks and they had left-handed scissors. (laughs) Like it was honestly the best day. And I said to my dad, I was like, aren't scissors all the same? Like, What's the big deal? And he sat me down, and he talked me through the difference in how they function and how, for I mean, he was in his 40s. For 40 years, he yeah. had struggled to cut paper and he decided to just give it up pretty much because it was impossible. Yeah. Um, and it made him feel excluded. And that was my reality of going, wow, like I actually had no idea. And something as small as that. And he taught himself to do everything right handed except for writing. He was left handed because he couldn't, he didn't have access to the things. Yes, exactly. And that was my first hit of reality. And then in the corporate world, I was leading internal communications for a company that had a really, really poor internal uh, employee satisfaction. And that was one of the initiatives that we did to boost it. And something I found really interesting was just things like treating the, east coast different to the rest of australia and karen you would really get this probably you're based in tassie you feel left out right whenever oh, yeah. you hear a major company roll something out we're rolling it out across australia but not tasmania
0: every single capital city except for hobart yeah. yes or they do a logo for something national and they forget to put Tasmania even on the map. They'll do like an Australian looking logo with no Tassie. Exactly. Yeah, we're left out all the time.
1: And it doesn't make you feel good, right?
0: No, and now that people can get behind social media, companies find out when they leave Tasmania off
1: things. Exactly, <laughs> and it's it's something you don't want to do as as a business and a brand. And it's something as simple as that. It, it can be even talking about postage, And instead of saying like, we'll get it to you the next day, only in Melbourne. Like,
0: (laughs) yeah, there's no way you're going to get it to us the next day. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. So it's just little things that you could do that could really make people feel included. And, you know, coming back to this reference of corporate life, I remember I went out, we had, we had um, sort of branches all over Australia and I went out to them and said, you know, how do you feel? And they said, we feel really horrible. We feel like we are not included. It was a, it was a smaller business. Um, but you know, 80% of the workforce was based in Sydney and they had smaller offices all over Australia. And I remember them going, it's just, we feel like we are constantly left out. And one of the first things I did was I changed the term that they used. They used to call them remote offices. Yeah. Even see how even that word, makes them feel left out.
0: Yeah. Remote, like you're far away from where all the action's happening.
1: Exactly. So I changed that to, you know, the Perth office, the Perth branch, and even just that little change made them feel more included. And after a few other initiatives that I implemented, there was a 70% increase in internal communication and engagement and a 28% increase wow. in employee satisfaction.
0: Just little things that we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Even with e-commerce, sometimes you'll see people advertising local pickup. And when you're, you know, selling Australia wide and you've got one location that someone can pick up from in like, you know, far north Queensland or something like that, you better to leave that off. And then when someone puts in their address, it can pop up if that pickup is close to them, rather than showing it to everyone and then everyone who can't do the pickup all of a sudden they're going, Oh, well, I've got to pay shipping, even though other people don't. You know, you straight away ostracising everybody else just little things like that. I saw it the other day and I'm like, oh, free pickup. Oh, no, they're not in Tasmania. You know, things like that. When when it's not available to everyone, it's best to only show that information to someone who it is relevant to.
1: Exactly. And I, I had this with I was working with somebody who was, you know, just around the corner and I didn't realise when I first engaged with them. And then they ended up reaching out to me, did a personal message to me and said, hey, like I'm just around the corner. Do you want me to drop this off to your place? instead and I can credit you like and that was like she sent me a personal message it was a lot more heartfelt and I actually got to meet her and we had a quick chat like that's that's beautiful right it's a lot and, and I'm obviously a returning customer now and that was such a really good interaction that you can do with anybody and it doesn't let anyone else feel left out as well
0: yeah and look marketing's all about relationship building so those little extra touches and everything we're talking about now, if you can make someone not feel left out or that they're being discriminated against or even just that they're not included, then you can really you know, make those relationships better. So a good friend of mine, she um, is in the LGBT community plus and um, she was having a big rant yesterday and I could tell just how frustrated she was. She's gone to lots of doctor's appointments lately and she's like, every time I say partner, everyone just assumes it's a male. It's not. It's a female. She's like, I feel like I have to come out 20 times a day. She's like, it's just so tiring and frustrating. And I just wish that people in 2022 would realize that when I say partner, it might not mean a male. And I know that that's really getting her down at the moment you know obviously she's dealt with it for years but she's like I'm just so sick of people making assumptions and I think we can do that in our marketing too of being more inclusive in our language towards gender and uh, who we're talking to default for me I have a lot of friends that are in that community so anyone says partner straight away it's, it's they how are they what did they do for a living um that I think that's something that not everyone is across so how do you go about using sort of gender language and things like that in posts or emails or anything
1: so I think it's really important definitely to use the they and them and whenever you are having correspondence collaborations things like that it should be something you ask them if you're going to reference based on on their their gender or or not then ask them before you put together a piece or before you do a story about them because what are your pronouns? It's a really, really simple question to ask. And it also brings that to the forefront of their thinking as well. So it's not only about just being respectful of the person you're collaborating with, but it's also about making sure that they go that's actually a really good question. I'm going to ask other people I collaborate with to be respectful for them. So it's kind of a domino effect.
0: Yeah. Let's make this the normal.
1: Exactly. And it's something that you just can do out of, out of respect whenever you're talking with them outside of a, of a business scenario. And, you know, I always use partner when I refer to my partner as well. And it's something where, I see some people just go, oh, husband. And I'll, I'll sometimes pull them up and go, I didn't say that he was my husband. He, he is. Yeah. He, he's a male.
0: But he might not have been.
1: Yeah. And I obviously, I'm, I'm not going to call it out at every stage. But again, it's bringing it to the forefront them going, oh, okay. Yeah, you didn't actually say that. That was me forming that opinion or forming that assumption yeah and um it's 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 definitely something i've worked quite heavily in committees and uh, have made a lot of movements and changes in policies for the lgbti uh, plus community and they say the same thing it feels like every time they go to a new workplace or every time they're in a new meeting room it feels like they're coming out every time and it's it's just something that i can't I can't fully understand, but I have a lot of empathy for, and that's why I have been so involved in changing policies because it's the last thing you want to, want to be doing is feeling outcast. Like I, I shouldn't have to walk into a room and, and be like, Hey guys, I'm straight. Thanks. You know, like (laughs) it's ridiculous. Yeah. We don't have (laughs) to come out every day as
0: straight. So what can we be doing? I'm just thinking for fashion websites and things like that. Quite often in our menu items, we've got men's, women's, kids. Like, are there better ways that we could put that?
1: There's definitely ways that you can have. Obviously, there's a fashion of of unisex and often they're built for obviously for the, the types and the, the styles and the, the actual how they fit on on the actual frames. So it does make it a little bit more difficult yeah. to, to be more inclusive in that. But where you can pull in is you can say, you can do the images and you can do the alt text and you can maybe have it styled differently. You can have a, a unisex area. Obviously kids, you know, I feel like they go from baby and then all of a sudden it's like girls, boys. Yeah. You know, and like my daughter, for example, she wears a lot of a gender neutral clothes and that's, and she often chooses that and she often actually chooses like dinosaurs and things like that. So I am more likely shopping in in the boy section because that's sort of the stuff that she enjoys to wear and that's what it should be about. It should be
0: whatever they want. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, I don't see where that stops when it comes to, to getting us as older,
0: Yeah. At what age do we change that and go, okay, now you have to shop at this section or that section?
1: Exactly. So I think there's, there's definitely ways that you can look at how you style the clothes and potentially the bottles that you use. But you also want to make sure you're staying on brand. So if you've got a, a very light feminine brand, then you want to make sure your images still portray that and maybe it's that you use. Um, you know, there's, there's transgender people that you can use. There's still ways to support and to promote the diversity without shying too far away from from your brand.
0: And I think even just using different model sizes is a huge one, Um, being, and we, we talked a little bit about this off air, I'm a plus size, I would count myself, and looking at clothes, and it's really hard for me to buy from a website that only has all their clothes shown on a, you know, really skinny person that I just can't relate to. Uh, I'm breastfeeding, I have boobs so huge, they're ridiculous. So seeing a top on somebody that has no boobs (laughs) makes me go, well, I have no idea if that's going to fit me. Going up a size doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go around my jugs, right? So showcasing clothing in different sizes for me is just a no-brainer. If you can do it, you can't just change the, the size of something and assume that someone knows that that's going to fit them. So if you sell a whole wide range of sizes, then you should show a whole wide range of models, in my opinion, on your website.
1: Exactly. And that term plus size is just, it should be out the door. And, and even for me, curvy, it's just every woman, every person is curvy. They've got curves in yeah. different places. And so I feel like
0: some of us have just have more than others. <laughs>
1: yeah, some of them are just a bit more angled, you know. But why do we need to to put ourselves with a label? We're labelling ourselves and that's something that we shouldn't be doing. We should just, yeah, this is my body. You know, my body changes.
0: I actually saw a post. I'm just seeing if I've got it to give them a shout out. But I saw an amazing reel on Instagram the other day and it was this fashion brand And they had two models. One was 152 centimetres tall. And I know that exactly because that was my height. So I was like, wow, they've got this model in my height. And then they had another lady who was at least a foot taller. And they were doing Mm -hmm. a really cool one of those, you know, uh, outfits change videos. But both of them always in the exact same outfit, the exact same dress. They went through them all and people could see what it was going to look like on a tall person, where it was more like, you know, shin length and on a short person like me where it was to the floor and I was like that's amazing someone can literally look at this and go oh that's what it's going to look like Mm -hmm. on me or that's what it's going to look like on me if they're short or tall and I was like I would never really considered that before because I just always know if I go and buy a pair of jeans I have to take them up right I got myself a sewing machine just because I used to spend so much money taking up my pants all the time Uh, I'm short but to actually see a brand out there Showcasing their outfits on different heights, I was like, "Wow, this is fantastic!"
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good point. So I'm actually I'm quite tall, so I'm I'm sort of being five eleven. So I have the opposite problem of you in that I'll get full length tights, for example, and they'll be three quarter legs, <laughs> and so I often struggle to find pants that fit me and. Um, often you'll find the smaller the size, the shorter they start to go up as well. So when I was at my fittest, I would just constantly be wearing, you know, the three quarter length tights, but they were meant to be full length um, or seven eighths, you know, and it's just something you kind of start to deal with. You don't really, and then all of a sudden you find a brand that's like, Hey, you know, these are actually full length. And you're like, finally, like, this is what I need. And and it might be that you have a fashion brand that is built on people who are petite, if that's what you want to label it as. So people who are maybe shorter. Higher. Yeah. <laughs> or for people like me who are, you know, a lot taller. And you know, things even from my childhood, I was always the tallest. And because I was really tall, I then had big feet. And from when I was a kid, None of the shoes in women's, like in kids' sizes for girls, um, were big enough. So I used to have to wear men's shoes from the age of like 11. And I still remember, like that was horrible. I never got like bullied or anything for it. But I remember I felt really, really left out. I felt horrible. And even when I started to become an adult, I rarely had shoes that could fit. But now there's a lot more available Um, and it feels really good to be able to get shoes that fit me well and that I can style the way I want it to be styled. And
0: I think there's actually a really good market here, um, rather than just being inclusive in our marketing, but products for people that have felt excluded for so long, you know, finding those products that actually can make those people feel included, like ladies with bigger feet. Um, I always was able to, and still can shop in the kids shoe department, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I was really excited when my stepdaughter grew out of her sparkly sketches that light up as you walk because now I get to have them <laughs> so she grew out of them when she was like 12 and now they fit me so that's really <laughs> totally different problems that we have
1: <laughs> yes yeah complete opposite end of the scale but still the same issue of not feeling included in brands and it's it's a lifelong thing it's you know find yep. find your products that are your equivalent of the left hand scissors
0: yes I love that. Okay, so some people I find, and I've been guilty of this in the past, put off saying anything as we're not sure how to word something properly to not be offensive. And I know this came up a lot with the Black Lives Matter movement and quite often when we are trying to do something, it can be that worry, and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, that we're going to say something wrong and we're going to be more offensive and actually add to the problem so where can we go to educate ourselves? Obviously, there's different topics, um, but where do we even start?
1: So, I mean, I'm a pale skin, blue eyed, blonde hair person. I was raised in an Anglo-Saxon upper middle class area in Sydney.
0: Yeah.
1: I get it. I I was in that same boat a while ago. And like I said before, it's better to, to try and say something and learn than not try at all. And I was very privileged in the fact that I grew up in a household that was very hospitable. Yeah. It was, you know, my parents just literally had an open door policy and I had a very diverse social circle growing up from from pretty much day I popped out. So I had people from the LGBTI plus community, um, mental disabilities, physical disabilities, different religions, races, literally everything and that meant that I was part of this diverse upbringing that I valued so much and didn't realise that it wasn't the typical upbringing, which is also fine. Yeah. But something that I've always done because I then started to recognise, you know, the story of my dad with the left-handed scissors and some of the things that, you know, my, my friends and my family friends growing up would say, I kind of started to realise, okay, this isn't the the mainstream way of being raised this isn't the mainstream approach um, to having this diverse circle and that's fine but what can i do about that and so definitely educating yourself so that might be you know just surrounding yourself with more people that are from those diverse backgrounds that have gone through that and ask them questions if they don't want to talk about it they will tell you if they if they don't want to acknowledge that they they won't But most of them want to feel included, like like us with our shoes. We want to feel included, right? So we're going to talk about it like we just did. And we're going to say, like, how good was that feeling when shoes started coming out for me in size 11? Like, I loved it. It was the best thing ever. But, you know, just asking those questions and, and going out to your repeat customers, going out to people who are really engaged with you in general in your brand and saying, like, is, do you ever feel left out? Is there anything I ever do?
0: Yeah, is there anything we can do? Yeah.
1: Exactly. Ask those questions in a very safe, secure environment. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that you can do. And then there's a few other things you can do. Join some groups, networking events, go into webinars and start doing some webinars, Um, you know, be involved in Nadoc week, all those sorts of things. There's heaps of free things out there and there's also paid, obviously. yeah, And then also mentors. Surround yourself with a variety of mentors from different backgrounds. The best thing you could do, and the the one thing that I loved the most about corporate life, it was the diversity in the people you work with. And I'm not meaning they're their races, their religions, things like that. I'm meaning just their thought processes, the way they approach problems. Every single person is different. And that diversity is where change comes from, is where thought processes change for you. You start to go, oh yeah, I didn't actually see this whole angle that someone could take this. Or I didn't think that my website was super, you know, specific in a certain type of person. And this person's brought that to my attention.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about is really getting that fresh perspective and fresh eyes because, you know, we build, like you say, with ourselves in mind quite often, our avatars are us. So then we're building our website, we're putting together our social media posts, we're writing our emails or from our point of view and our perspective. So sometimes just asking somebody with a different opinion to have have a look and with fresh eyes and give us their honest feedback might be a really great opportunity for you to find ways that you could be more inclusive.
1: Definitely. And there's nothing wrong with, with how you start out. And, you know, it's just, it's not great if you continue down that path as you grow. And you have, if you have those opportunities to learn, then take them on, learn from them. It's not only going to benefit your brand and your business, but it's also going to the community in the nation and help it develop in the way it should the next generation you know all those sorts of corny things that you can say um, but it really does impact and change and it will broaden your consumer base which is obviously where you then get sales from so there is obviously a positive kickback but for me the more positive thing is about is about the community and making more people feel included definitely now I will also say as well you want to make sure this is coming from an authentic place. The worst thing you can do, or it's probably not the worst thing, but one of the things that you see really common happen is that special significant days will pop up, you know, Nadoc week will pop up or, um, you know, Wear a purple day, Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. And that is the only time of the year that that brand engages with that minority and that community. And that's when you'll start to see people go, well, you're just doing this for, you know, for media jacking and jumping on and making yourself feel like you're inclusive, but it's not authentic. And so the way to have it really authentic is have it part of your brand values. Have it so you always have that little screen. It might be sticking up a post-it note that says, Am I being inclusive in this post? You know, whatever it might be, so that it's front of yeah. mind and then start to see how you can engage with that community that aligns to the change you want to have and that primary change that you want to see and then figure out how can I engage with that community throughout the year so that it see, that I am authentic, like you can see that I want greater change.
0: I think that's such an important note to add because, yes, we want to see that you are supporting and being inclusive year-round and not just, yeah, on certain days or certain weeks of the year for sure. Exactly. So thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us, Tegan. Uh, I feel like this is such a big topic and we could talk about it for days and days. So thank you for giving us a few actionable tips that we can take away. And I'll certainly be adding all of those alt texts and captions to my posts going forward. Now, if somebody wants to find out more or they want to sort of get in touch with you, where's the best place to find you?
1: So I hang out on Instagram, probably the most, as I'm sure a lot of you do as well. Um, So I'm just marketing underscore unlocked. um, So you'll find me there and on Facebook, marketing.unlockedau. And you can always just shoot me up an email or a DM if you want. I love a good chat or a voice memo, uh, but feel free to flick through an email. Hello at marketingunlocked.com.au.
0: Fantastic. And we'll link up to all of those in the show notes as well. So uh, if you can't look at it right now, if you're in the car, don't stop to write it down. We will uh, hook you up. Thank you so much again for your time. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys. Let us know on Insta what you've taken away from today's episode and what you'll be implementing in your business going forward. Thanks guys. We'll see you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're looking to keep up to date with all that's happening in e-commerce marketing, free website audits, latest tips, and hang out with some other pretty cool people, be sure to check out my free Facebook group, Unstoppable E-commerce Entrepreneurs. I'll see you on the inside.